The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman was born and raised in Mexico to entrepreneurial parents. As a little girl, she followed their lead. She sold baked goods and t-shirts and saw business as a fun game. As she grew, her parents relocated to the U.S. to follow the American dream. And business continued to be in her blood. But as the years passed, she also loved to teach and wondered how she could combine these two. She eventually found a franchise business that allowed her to do both. Years later, she joined the franchise parent company itself and today walks a path to greatness as she shows others how to impact the world by combining the love of teaching with the art of business. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Susan Valverde. Hi, Susan. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, Annette. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for that lovely introduction. I hope I can I can live up to all of <laughs> I have no doubt that you can, girl. And I'm so glad you're with me today. So let's dig right into your nuggets of gold because we got a bunch of them to mine out. So the ability to see contrast has helped you access value. So what areas of your life and business has contrast been especially valuable? Wow. So um, I think to answer that, let me start with the fact that because I did grow up, I was born and raised in a different country and I still have most of my family in Mexico. I speak to them regularly. We, you know, obviously are in tune with, with what's going on in each other's lives there's that context that serves as a foundation in terms of just how incredibly lucky I am to live in this country. No matter what's going on and no matter what function or dysfunction is happening in this country, I think this is still the place where I've just been so incredibly blessed to have so many opportunities that I wouldn't have anywhere else. And so I say that because even though we're talking about business, your question was specifically about business. I think that everything that I approach, I think especially in business, has that grounding, that that gratitude, that we have an opportunity to serve a customer, that we have an opportunity to change lives for children, that you have an opportunity to mentor a young leader, a a young entrepreneur, a young uh, teacher, anyone that wants to change the world. And so to me, I think the passion in all of that is non-negotiable. And I think uh, when we talk about contrast and in business, uh, when, when that is not there, when you're not finding meaning in what you're doing every day, those results don't follow. If you don't realize how lucky we are to be entrusted with the obligation of serving a customer and helping a child and helping a family find peace of mind and helping a professional grow, then you're not you're just not focused on the result on the real reason that we get up in the morning. And so that's that to me is is the key to to success in business. And that's 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 where my contrast comes from. And I'm going to dig a little deeper on that because for someone that hasn't had the background that you have, maybe they have grown up in a safe space with the same vanilla type uh, environment and they don't have the contrast. Do you feel that that you enjoy a sweeter version of life than them? I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I, I, you know, my initial reaction is perhaps so, because yeah. I think with contrast comes a different viewpoint. You know, I do know that the more someone struggles, I don't think anyone's life is perfect, but the more that someone struggles, the easier it is to recognize a struggle in someone else and, and in a fellow human. And, and the more you, you're probably 
relating to a situation in a way that makes you help. That, that I feel personally, and I see that in my family and my friends. And so that doesn't mean that if you're lucky and then you've never had major adversity in your life that you're blind to that. But maybe you just have to work a little harder or be a little bit more, self, I guess, self-aware to pick up on those opportunities and to pick up on, on what people are going through just because it's not instinctual. That, that conflict or that issue or that problem is, may, may not be as relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. So I'm going to talk about time management for a second, because you and I talked on that a, a little bit in an earlier conversation we had. And time management is certainly important for businesswomen if they want to succeed, and even more so if they choose to be mothers. So how do you choose what to invest your time in? So Annette, the older I get, the shorter that list gets, <laughs> because I think there's a lot to be said about focus, whether it's what relationships you want to invest in, uh, personal or professional, or what projects are going to yield the results you're looking for. I'm all for, you know, in my in my 30s, especially, I wanted to change the world and I wanted to set the world on fire and I wanted to try everything all on the same day, you know. And so I was notorious for raising my hand. You know, they called me helium hand, raising my hand when it came to volunteering for boards and volunteering for pilots within the company. It's like, oh, you want to try something new? You don't have any, you don't have a rule book. You don't have any proven results. Send it to me. We'll figure it out. And so I think that piece of it has definitely changed with time and with age. You know, I've got sort of my fix and I know in the years professionally that I have left to give to this work or to society in general, I definitely want, it's, it's more about quality than it is quantity. And so in business, you know, there's some grounding rules, like you have to solve the customer's problems, not yours. So the customer's problems, look at it from, from their perspective. And so investing your time in those priorities, taking care of that customer. And at the same time, being very flexible that if, if this year has taught us anything at all, it's actually just reminded us of this 150-year-old lesson that we knew about natural selection, that adaptation wins. And so you've got to leave room in your life and in your calendar and your day to switch gears and to pivot very quickly if that becomes necessary, but still have that same passion and conviction and focus in terms of what's important. So I'd say I'd start with a list of things that are important, whether it's sit down and do some flashcards and figure out you know, what you're spending your time on and what rises to the top of this is a non-negotiable. This is aligned with my values and my passion and what I want to do with the, the rest of my life. And the things that are not are just simply, you know, would be nice if there's time, if there's, you know, energy. But I also am really careful not to let um, this stack take from this one, you know, what's important. And so I, I talk about this with my girlfriend sometimes that we have our circle, I think even again, this year has been such a, just such a lesson learned. And my universe got much smaller this year in terms of who you can interact with, like even just legally, you know, being out and interacting, but where you want to park your energy, you know, what do you care about and who do you care about the most? And so that to me should drive decisions, whether it's personal or professional, what's important to you? What, what do you want to spend the rest of your life on? Yeah, that's so important. And, and I'm, I'm going to dig just a little bit deeper in that. And that's something you mentioned about aligning what, how you spend your time with what your values and passion might be. And I think that so many people don't have a clue what their values are. Hmm, yeah. And so those listening, if you, if you can't, if somebody says, well, what are your top three values? If you can't rattle those off, it's really worth giving some thought to, because I think you are brilliant in saying that if you align your values with your time, how you're spending your time, that's where the true joy is. 
exhaustion right. doesn't come in into that equation. No, it that's out of sync. Work. It's horrible. Yeah, it doesn't even feel like work when you are really enjoying and, and feeling fulfilled and feeling like you're making a difference. Right, exactly, exactly. into a cultural aspect for a second. So yep. society expectations of what is possible for Hispanics women mm-hmm. is, is often low, yet you have risen mm-hmm. above and have been very successful. So how important do you think it is for women to show up as role models to other women? Very important. And I want to, I want to talk, this is my uh, chance to tell you a little bit about Latinos for education, but I want to preface that with sort of my background. And they, again, I think it's what shapes you. So, you know, when we came to the U.S., I didn't speak any English, not a word of English. My mother at age, whatever she was in her 30s or 40s, had to learn the language for the first time. So I think it was always instilled. If it, was, it may not have been explicit, but it was very implied that gender is not a limitation. Ethnicity is not a limitation. None of the labels that you have that you can't change are limitations. So don't you dare, this was my parents, Don't you dare use them as excuses. Yes, life is not fair. If we acknowledge it, we can change it. But there is no way that that's going to be a crutch to hold you back. And so in terms of, you know, trying new things, I was the first person in my family to graduate from college and and I went to grad school after that. And that was always an expectation for us because not only because my parents came here to give us a better life and to have those opportunities, those sacrifices were for a reason for us to have these opportunities. You know, but it was also because you also kind of care as a, as a minority, you also t- tend to carry the weight of that statistic for your entire group. You have to perform. You have to change that statistic. You have to be different because people don't expect that. And that's not what that's not what we want. And so I'm very supportive of anything that helps us do that. I'm, I was lucky enough. This is where I want to tell you about Latinos for Education, if you don't mind, Annette, because I'm very proud of it. So I was lucky enough to participate in um, Aspen Institute Fellowship. And I met three brilliant Latina women who were also uh, went through the program. And we, we talked a lot about the statistics, specifically with Latino leaders in education. And statistics were very disturbing. The trends were very disturbing. And, you know, like, for, for instance, one out of every four students in the U.S. classroom is Latino. However, only 4% of the boards of, of education are Latinos, and only 2% of the leaders and executive teams of education organizations are Latinos. And the education philanthropy is so small, it can't even be expressed in a whole percentage. And so the fact that we are underrepresented, but we are, in terms of leadership, but we're the most in need and growing group in terms of students and people who need services those statistics needed to change. And so these, these brilliant women decided, let's start an organization. And so I'm very proud to be affiliated with it. It's, it's all about, you know, what it means to be a civil society, what it means to be an American to me, and the fact that we get to fight for eliminating these barriers to opportunity, inequity, those kinds of things. We felt like this organization needed to exist. And so it started in 2016, and we have an amazing leader there that has grown the organization and the impact of it, despite the pandemic, despite everything that's happened, uh, you know, not a great time to start a new organization, right? But we're very proud of the change that's possible there. And I think that this all goes back to your original question. It was when we see something that seems unfair or that seems like it needs a change, I think we have an obligation to take action, not just to 
accept it, to use it as an excuse for why things can't change, to, to, to let it perpetuate. That's the kind of stuff that I want to spend my time on. And you have to say no to a lot of things to be able to do that stuff. Yes, you sure do. You sure do. And good luck with that project. What a fantastic organization that you ladies have come together and to create it. I have no doubt that it's going to make a powerful difference as you evolve it and it grows and you get more people involved. So I'm going to continue to stay on this success thing we're talking about. So to reach success, certainly mistakes are going to happen. So how do you deal with mistakes so they don't so that you don't beat yourself up or you don't get discouraged? Because that's a danger, isn't it? It is. And I think when you have, I go back to my parents, you know, very high expectations and very, you know, no excuses. You're hard on yourself when, you're, when your parents are, are setting that kind of um, expectation. They're kind of hard on you. They have high expectations. You know, and I attended a conference. I was so lucky. I heard Toni Morrison speak once at a conference. And she said something that stuck with me that I still, I hold on to today. I have it somewhere on my desk, almost everywhere I am. And she talked about how your ability to free other people relies on you yourself being free. So free could be interpreted however you want, however you need to. It could be free from excuses, free from blame, free from baggage, from bad relationships, from your own mind. I I struggle with that one because that's, I'm pretty hard on myself. So going back to your question about what happens when things don't go as planned you have no choice but to free yourself. This isn't about perfection. It's about progress. As long as you're making progress, you know, it's, it's fine. And sometimes mistakes are the path to progress, right? You learn from them as long as you're using them and hopefully not repeating them over and over. <laughs> and we hope we get better at that, don't we? Yeah. yeah. And I love your perception of that and framing that as a freedom because mistakes are going to happen. And if you can take that attitude, okay, that didn't go so well. Yeah. So I'm going to free that. Yeah. Let it go. Free yourself. Yeah. yeah. Bless, bless and release it. Let it go. Love it. Yeah. I love that one too. I heard that from somebody. I thought, well, I've, I've used that many times because it almost creates a visual, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 So we hear a lot about the imposter syndrome these days. Now, what do you think this means? And do you experience this yourself? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And I just finished telling you how important it is to free ourselves. Right. And so it's just so normal, I think. I think maybe even for women more so, I, I, I presume, just from talking to my friends. But yeah, I mean, I remember the Aspen Institute is a good example. I remember being accepted in that program and arriving at the first meeting and, and feeling like, how in the world? Someone made a mistake. How did I land at this table? Somebody made a mistake, but I hope they don't find out because I love this. And so, you know, those kinds of things they're hard to shake. And I think it's, it's a habit like anything else. I think it's a habit that advice from, from Toni Morrison about freeing yourself, you know, to allow yourself to even just to stop and question, you know, like this conversation is helpful in doing that question, what it is that is holding me back and why I, that, that, that self-talk and that, you know, I don't deserve to be here is, is so prevalent at different times. And so, and telling yourself that you've earned it. I work pretty hard. I, I put in the hours and, you know, it's, it has nothing to do with the Ivy League school you did or didn't attend or, or, or any of those things. I think it has to do with, you know, did you work? Did you earn this? And if so, you deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great. Giving yourself permission to accept it. Right. So disappointments come upon all of us for sure. And I have found, especially in my early years, I found that they could take the wind out of my sails. So how do you deal with disappointments so they don't deflate your joy and your drive? 
Because when you're really driven, you know, it's disappointments are really a sour grape, isn't it? It really is. You know, I think what I've learned with time, you know, that's also something that the older I get, the more I realize that in order to start a new chapter, sometimes painful endings or uncomfortable endings have to happen. And so if you're disappointed, it wasn't meant to be maybe embracing. And I'm also an optimism, you know, so if this, whether it's a relationship at work, an employee relationship, a a project that didn't go as planned, I um, just came out of a meeting 15 minutes before this call. And I, I told them this quote that I love from Steve Jobs, one of his books. You know, he talked about, he was, he can be accused of a lot of things, but he couldn't be accused of not having passion. And so he talked about how in his book about how when you're working on something that you really care about, you don't have to be pushed. It's something is pulling you. Something intangible is pulling you and it's just meant to be. And that's not unlike the disappointment question that you that you asked. If something is not working out, it was not meant to be. We're being pulled in a different direction. It may be, you know, faith in God. It may be the optimism that, that makes me blind to that. But I feel like you just have to embrace it and accept it. I mean, obviously, a lot of things are worth fighting for. But when things don't work out, have your disappointment, have your moment, have your cry, your sigh. And then you've got to find the path that was meant to be. It just wasn't meant to be. And sometimes when we look back at that disappointment, we think it was the biggest blessing of all. Have you ever had that? Often, often (laughs) which is just reinforcing for the next one that you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. And things are, if you let it go, things are going to unfold as they should for you. The way they should. Exactly. Doesn't mean you sit on the couch, but it means you get out there doing it, but recognize you only got control of so much. Absolutely. Mm, Yes. I love that. So Susan, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? The way that I want to answer that question is if I were talking to my 30-year-old self or my 15-year-old self or, you know, my younger me, don't stop learning is number one. We don't know everything we're not supposed to. Just always keep learning, keep growing. I'd say the other thing is asking for help. That asking for help is not a weakness. It's a strength. And we need each other. We're not meant to be, again, if this pandemic has taught us anything, is that we're not meant to be isolated. We hate it. It's not human nature. We're wired to be together and to help each other and to grow together and to interact. And so um, asking for help and, and making sure you're surrounding yourself by a network that's always helping you grow and not holding you back, I think those are the things, those are the pieces of advice I'd give other women and I'd give myself uh, <laughs> if I could go back in time. And you remind yourself of them now by saying that, right? I do. (laughs) Yes. You have been a wonderful guest. You've had so many nuggets of gold. I love your perspective because you come from a a place of contrast. And uh, so many people don't have that opportunity. And thank you for sharing so openly with us today. Thank you, Annette. And thanks for everything you're doing. I think this is such a positive platform that we need, and especially in this day and age. And so I've really enjoyed this and I enjoy listening to your podcast. I can't wait to hear more. Thank you so much. And Susan is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 